This Orioles team was kicked in the mouth on Tuesday night with a heartbreaking loss and then took an uppercut to the jaw on Wednesday going down 5-1 to one in the fifth inning. But we should know by now, the Orioles never say never. They always get up off the mat. And an eight-run seventh inning propels the Orioles to a huge win over the Yankees. I'll recap it all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Thursday, May 25th, 2023. And welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we are going to recap an unbelievable win for the Orioles as they had a major comeback, their biggest inning of the year, and win it 9-6 over the New York Yankees. I'm going to get you the five things you need to know from that W. Plus, we'll talk a little about Adley Rutschman, who has officially played in 162 games in his big league career. And then we'll touch on some roster news and notes having to do with Ramon Arias, Dylan Tate, and a new minor league signing. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. This podcast really wouldn't be made possible without you all out there. Thank you so much for listening in, especially the everydayers out there, wherever you listen to the pod. Thank you all for liking, commenting, and subscribing to the Locked On Orioles YouTube channel. If you are watching on YouTube at the moment, I hope you are enjoying the new graphics that you may get a chance to see here on the YouTube page, sprucing things up a little bit here on the Locked On Orioles podcast. But again, thank you to the everydayers out there for making Locked On Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. For your first listen today, let's get into maybe the most impressive Orioles win of the year. Like I keep saying it, for the last three Orioles wins, after each one, I've said, wow, that was the most impressive O's win of the year. The win on Saturday in extra innings in Toronto, I thought was amazing. The Ryan O'Hearn three-run homer, the comeback, winning in extras. I thought they couldn't top that. Then the next day, with their top three relievers unavailable, the Orioles somehow, some way, score five runs in the 11th and beat the Jays in extra innings. I thought that was amazing. Then they do what they did on Wednesday. Eight runs in the seventh. They win it. 9-6 to six to even up this series with the Yankees at one game apiece. Orioles with the victory, now 32-17 and 17 on the year. Rays won as well, so the O's remain three games back of first place. But I'm going to get you the five things you need to know from this Orioles comeback victory. The 19th comeback victory of the year for the Orioles. That is the most of any team in Major League Baseball. And the first thing you need to know, I already mentioned it, but the Orioles scored eight runs in the seventh inning of this game for the comeback win, their biggest inning of the year, and their biggest inning since September 8th of 2021, when the Orioles scored nine runs in the eighth inning of a game against the Kansas City Royals. That 2021 team, a little different than this 2023 team, I would say, but what a win it was for the Orioles and what a comeback it was. And really, it all started with just some guys getting themselves on base. I mean, you're trailing 5-1. to one. Yankees have the big fifth inning going into the seventh down 5-1. You're staring nine more outs in the face and a series loss. And Nestor Cortez was cruising. 
He was cruising in this game through six innings. I mean, he had given up a, a home run to Ryan Mountcastle, a solo shot that barely got out of here in the fourth inning, but that was pretty much all the O's had against him through six. But then they start to battle against the tough lefty in the seventh inning. Anthony Santander draws a walk. Austin Hayes scorches a single. And all of a sudden, you got two on with nobody out. And up comes, surprisingly, your hottest hitter in Adam Frazier. What does he do? He hits another homer. Remember, Adam Frazier had three home runs all of last year with the Mariners. He hit his sixth home run of the season on Wednesday night. A three-run shot off the foul pole in right field at Yankee Stadium. Didn't hit it super hard, just 97 miles per hour off the bat. But he hit it in the right spot in the short porch. Shout out to Nate McClouth. That home run off the pole was for you. And that three-run shot made it 5-4, to four, and it got Nestor Cortez out of the game. But the Orioles were not done, which was huge. James McCann singles against a righty. Jorge Mateo, who's been terrible lately, he singles too. And all of a sudden, you're starting to rally again. And then an even bigger swing comes from Gunnar Henderson. Maybe this is the exact swing that fully pulls him out of the slump. A two-run double that he rips down the right field line at 100 miles per hour to give the Orioles a 6-5 to lead as a pinch hitter, no less. Gunnar did not start this game with the lefty Cortez on the mound, but the righty coming out of the bullpen. Gunnar does it again to give the Orioles the lead, but they weren't done. After Mullen strikes out, Rutschman walks, Mountcastle comes through with a sack fly, then Santander an RBI single, and Austin Hayes another scorching RBI single. And even Adam Frazier, who grounded out to end the inning, hit 101 miles per hour on the ground out, just ended up going right to second base. But what an inning it was for the Orioles. And they weren't just satisfied with the three-run homer to get back in the game. And they weren't even just satisfied with taking the lead. They kept piling on and piling on. And yes, I know it still ended up being a three-run game. The Orioles can't play anything that isn't a close game. But to see them pile on like that and get a nice cushion, that was huge in that inning. Second thing you need to know from this one is that the Orioles' bullpen was not perfect. But it was pretty close for most guys. And they were able to hold this lead once the O's got it. Now, we'll get to Tyler Wells and his performance in a second. But he only went five innings in this game. So the O's had to turn it over to the bullpen early. And they first went to Mike Bauman, who did a great job of getting a 1-2-3-6 and keeping it at a 5-1 to game. Then when the O's scored the eight runs, they turned it over to Michael Givens. I didn't think it was a bad call. I mean, the bottom of the order was coming up. He had a very quick inning on Tuesday night. Well, Givens basically had nothing. He walked two batters and hit a batter, and he loaded the bases and only recorded one out. That was kind of the scary part. So it's a 9-5 game. The bases are loaded, and all of a sudden you're thinking, we're going to give this lead right back, aren't we? Well, Danny Coulomb comes in, and he gives up an RBI single on the first pitch he throws to Anthony Rizzo. But after that, Danny Coulomb just locks it absolutely down. Gets a strikeout and a ground out to strand the bases loaded in the seventh, then goes strikeout, strikeout, ground out in the eighth inning for a 1-2-3 frame. I still cannot believe the Twins gave up on this guy this season. I mean, Danny Coulomb is straight up nasty. And I know he's good against lefties because of the stuff, but he is ridiculous against righties as well. That sweeper and that knuckle curve, they just ride in on right-handers. And the righties in the Yankees lineup just had no idea what to do against it on Wednesday night. What a job by Coulomb. And then a huge bounce-back outing for Felix Bautista, who, because you know the Yankees got the run in the seventh, it was a save situation, comes in in a 9-6 game, and Bautista gets the job done. Gets a ground out, then a strikeout. 
Now, he did walk Aaron Judge on a 3-2 high fastball, and I wanted him to attack him. He missed with a 3-2 pitch. That's fine. Goes and strikes out Anthony Rizzo on a way high, like I'm talking above the eyes, high fastball at 101 that Rizzo just couldn't lay off as Felix gets two more Ks in the ninth to finish it off and give the O's the win. Shout out to the bullpen who had to do a lot, had to get out of some jams, and got the job done. Third thing you need to know from this one is that I just mentioned Tyler Wells. He was pretty good early in this game. I mean, he had given up a two-run homer to Glaber Torres in the third inning, but generally through four innings, Wells was kind of cruising in this game. He had six strikeouts. He had no walks, just the two runs allowed. He was really rolling through. And then things just fell apart on him in that fifth inning. It was kind of concerning, to, to be honest with you. And Wells ends up... In that fifth inning, just kind of losing it. It was nice that he finished the inning in the fifth, but it was a walk to Anthony Volpe, his first walk of the day, four-pitch walk. Then Kiner Falefa hits a two-run homer. Then he strikes out Higashioka. Then Glaber Torres hits his second homer of the day. Then he walks Judge before getting Rizzo and LeMahieu to end the inning. But he threw almost 35 pitches in that fifth inning alone, and that was it. He was at 95 pitches. He was done. Five innings, five runs, five hits, eight Ks, two walks, and three homers allowed for Wells, who saw his ERA now up to 3.47. He only gave up five hard-hit balls on the day, and three of them were home runs. The other was a Kiner Falefa triple in the third inning. So it wasn't like he was just getting peppered, and he did strike out eight batters, which again tied a career high for Tyler Wells. But I just kind of don't know what happened in that fifth inning. I mean, he had 10 whiffs overall. Seven were on the fastball. That four-seam fastball up in the zone was absolutely dynamite for Wells in this one. Seven whiffs on 18 swings, kept throwing it up, had great command of it. He just went to the cutter a lot, and the cutter was in the middle of the plate a lot, and that gave him some issues. The changeup, which has been so good for Wells this year, got hit out for a home run by Torres, although it was against a righty. Didn't throw many breaking balls, just 17 combined sliders and curveballs out of 95 pitches. Just an odd day for Wells. We know he's prone to the homer, and it can get even worse when you're in a stadium like Yankee Stadium. I just chalked this one up to a weird day, a bad inning, and hopefully he'll bounce back his next time out there. Fourth thing you need to know from this one is that overall, the Orioles finally did something against Nestor Cortez. Now, as I mentioned, besides the Mountcastle homer in the fourth, they did wait a little while to get going on Cortez. They get the two base runners on, and then the three-run homer by Adam Frazier in the seventh inning that knocked him out of the game. Cortez ends up going six-plus, allowing four runs on five hits with five Ks, two walks, and two homers through 89 pitches, and the O's barreled him up for eight hard-hit balls on the day, but even though they waited till the seventh inning to really go after him, they've basically never been able to hit Cortez. Coming into this game in eight appearances and six starts against the Orioles, 39 and a third career innings against the Orioles, Cortez had a 1.37 ERA, and that was lowered after the first six innings. He had only allowed one run. I mean, his ERA was approaching right around one against the Orioles in 45 innings. And then they just get a rally going against Cortez, kind of for the first time ever against the former Orioles lefty. And it was nice to see the O's break out against a guy who, although he has struggled this year a bit, Cortez's ERA now 5.30 on the season. He's just dominated the O's in his career. Very nice flip by the Orioles offense. And the fifth and final thing you need to know from the Orioles' 9-6 win over the Yankees, just wanted to give a shout-out to Joey Ortiz 
in this game because he didn't play a huge role in this one, but he got the start at third base in this game, which is the second time he's done that this season with the left-handed starter out there. Gunnar Henderson and Taron Vavra were on the bench, so they go to Ortiz, and he goes one for two with a strikeout and a single. His one single was an incredibly hard hit ball, the hardest hit of Joey Ortiz's career, a single in the third inning, 109.8 off the bat for a ground ball single. O's weren't able to score in that inning despite getting a couple of runners on, but he got that hit. He made an amazing play in the third inning defensively, diving to his left full extension to rob Anthony Volpe and get up and make a strong throw against a really fast runner to throw him out at first base. That was a fantastic play by Joey Ortiz at third. We know him for the defense at shortstop, but he can really pick it at third, and he can play second as well. He just seems like, you know, he's maybe due for some more playing time. And yes, Jorge Mateo did get a hit in this game, which was nice to see. Also drew a walk. He also had a really costly play where he was picked off to end the third inning. It was not a good look. But Mateo continues to struggle, and Ortiz is looking better. He's five for his last 11. He can play all three infield positions at an elite level. Look for maybe a little more playing time here from Joey Ortiz. Now, he did get pinch hit for by Gunnar Henderson in the seventh inning when a righty came on, but he did his job. It was the right move because Henderson delivered with the two-run double to give the Orioles the lead. But even though this comeback was amazing, eight runs in the seventh inning, it, you could argue, maybe not the most special moment of Wednesday's game because when it was over... It was official. Adley Rutschman had played in 162 games as a Baltimore Oriole. Actually appeared in 162 games. So we now have stats for Rutschman in 162. And we'll look at just how good he's been in his first quote-unquote full season as an Oriole. That's coming up next. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Now, I've got my bird dog shorts on right now as I record. You're going to have to take my word for it, but I've got them on and they fit and feel amazing. These bird dog shorts are the best shorts you're ever going to buy. They've got these stretchy fabric that make my legs look good, but really the best part is they're comfier than any of the other shorts or pants that I own. I feel good. They fit me well. they got multiple different fits for different kind of bodies, and they've got versatility. They give you the freedom to wear a pair of shorts, you know, maybe when you're out to dinner, just hanging out with friends, you know, even working out. You know, you can do anything in these shorts because they look good. They look, you know, somewhat professional and nice, but also they feel like an athletic short. That's the best part here. And you can get your hands on some of these bird dogs by going to birddogs.com. And if you type in birddogs.com slash locked on MLB and enter the promo code locked on MLB, they'll throw in a free custom bird dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order. So to get your free tumbler and to get these amazing bird dog shorts and pants, go to birddogs.com slash locked on MLB and enter promo code locked on MLB. So the Orioles win it 9-6 over the New York Yankees in this one, evening the series up at one game apiece. O's will go for the series win tonight at 7.05 p.m. Eastern time. And they actually have the advantage, I think, in the pitching matchup in this game. Clark Schmidt versus Kyle Gibson for Game 3. And you can catch every pitch of Game 3 of this series between the Orioles and the Yankees at 7.05 p.m. Eastern Time with the Orioles' hometown broadcast on Sirius XM 
on the SXM app. Just search Orioles. Now, the only thing that was special about this game was an eight-run seventh inning. Well, not quite, because the other special thing was this was Adley Rutschman's 162nd MLB game that he has appeared in. That number special because that's a full season, 162 games. Now, last week was when he had been on the roster for 162 games. We talked about how the Orioles were 93 and 69 since they called him up. At this point, they are 98 and 73 since calling up Adley Rutschman just about a year ago. He's been amazing. He's now played in all 49 games this year. Even though he hasn't started all 49, he's caught some, he's DH'd some, or he's come on as a pinch hitter in some as well to play in every single game. And here are the stats over his 162 games of his career. Adley hitting 259 with a 374 on base and a 439 slugging. That is an 813 OPS. He's got 20 homers, 67 RBIs. And although he struck out 116 times, which is not very many in today's big leagues, 105 walks, almost as many walks as strikeouts, 42 doubles, just the one triple, which is still funny. His first career hit in his first career game was a triple, hasn't had one since, but he's got 149 total hits and about 690 plate appearances. That's pretty close to a full season. So that's what kind of the first quote-unquote full season of Adley Rutschman has looked like. That is well, well, well above a league average hitter. When you add it in with the great defense he has played behind the plate and just everything he's done for this franchise, I don't think you could ask for a much better first 162 from Adley Rutschman. Because, I mean, we talked about it last week. The Orioles were 51-111 and in the previous 162 games before calling Adley up last May. They are just simply a different team with Adley Rutschman here. And now his defensive numbers, they've taken a small hit this year. His framing's a little down. His blocking's a little down. But the offense is so good. The offense is up. You know, he's not exactly like lighting the world on fire offensively. His hard hit numbers and exit velocities aren't amazing. Still not hitting a crazy amount of homers. Not even a crazy amount of extra base hits. But he's still so productive because he gets on base so, so often. He's just a different kind of player. To have a catcher who's so good defensively as a catcher and this good offensively, I mean, the last guy to do it really was Buster Posey. And Buster Posey is a Hall of Famer. If Adley can have a Buster Posey career, that's amazing. But I think he could be even better than that. That's how good Adley is. He is a different player. He's a different kind of athlete. He's a guy that nobody else really has. And I'm already ready to say that he's the best catcher in baseball. Like, yeah, Sean Murphy and JT Romuto are great. I take Adley Rutschman over those two guys. It's just been an amazing 162. Now, he didn't play, you know, the biggest role in this crazy comeback win on Wednesday night. But even so, he still has a one for four, a single, a walk, a couple of hard hit balls. He doesn't strike out, puts the ball in play. Now hitting 270 with an 827 OPS here in 2023. He just impacts the game. And he didn't even catch in this game, right? He DH. James McCann got the start behind the plate. And he's still impacting the game even when he's the designated hitter. That's what makes him so special as a catcher. Obviously, the next step is lock Adley up. Give him whatever he wants. I don't know or think that John Angelos is going to do that at this point. He needs to, but... He hasn't shown anything that tells me he's going to do it. But I'm enjoying Adley right now because it is just a joy and a pleasure to watch him every night. He's made the Orioles so, so much better. And 
every game, I'm just thinking, what can he do next? It's not always the flashiest thing, but then you look back and you just see how productive he is and how special a player he is for the Orioles. But a couple of Orioles roster news and notes to get to right before we end the pod here. Ramon Arias and Dylan Tate, a couple of updates on their injury situations. Feel like we've gotten updates in every episode pretty much, but they just keep coming. And then a new minor league signing as well for the O's because the injuries just will not stop in AAA Norfolk. We'll get to that in just a second. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by Rocket Money. Now, this is one of our sponsors that has really, really excited me because just take a second to think about this. How much do you think you're paying for subscriptions? Anything you subscribe to, how much do you think you're paying? Most Americans think they spend around eh, 80 bucks a month. The actual total is closer to $200. And if you don't know exactly how much you're spending every month, you need Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. And the best part about Rocket Money, they will quickly and easily find your subscriptions for you. And for any you don't want to pay anymore, just hit that cancel button. Rocket Money will cancel it for you. It's that easy. They have saved the average person $720 a year, and over 3 million people have used Rocket Money. So stop throwing your money away. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash locked on MLB. That's rocketmoney.com slash locked on MLB. One more time, rocketmoney.com slash locked on MLB. So what a win it was for the O's. Eight runs in the seventh. They beat the Yankees nine to six on Wednesday night. But before the game Wednesday, we did get some more news about some Orioles that wanted to share with you before we wrap up the pod here today. Let's start with Ramon Arias. Talked about yesterday how he'd be making his first rehab assignment start on Wednesday night, and he did just that in high A Aberdeen, playing alongside Jackson Holiday. Arias goes 0 for 2, couple of strikeouts, couple of walks, couple of runs scored. He DH'd in this game, so we didn't get to see him play the field yet, but hey, it was his first rehab game coming back from this hamstring issue. It'll probably take him at least another week to 10 days before we start thinking about him being ready to come back to the big leagues. But he was productive with the O's. It's nice to see him back on the field, and we will kind of continue to monitor the rehab situation for Ramon Arias. Now moving over to Dylan Tate, who did not pitch on Wednesday for AAA Norfolk, but did pitch on Tuesday, and it didn't go great. Now, Dylan Tate, when he started coming back from that injury, he had the, the forearm issue and the elbow issue. It's been an issue since November, missed off spring training, finally started coming back right in late April to do some rehab appearances. And the Orioles and Tate both said he'd like around five to six appearances before he's ready for the bigs. Well, Dylan Tate has now made 10 rehab appearances. So that's one red flag. The other red flag is his stats in those 10 appearances. He's gone just eight and a third innings and has a 14.04 ERA. In the eight and a third innings, Tate's allowed 19 hits, 13 earned runs, has struck out only eight batters. He's walked five, he's hit two, he's allowed a homer, and opponents across three different levels are hitting 422 against Dylan Tate in his 10 rehab outings. Now, everyone keeps asking on the pod, and I keep trying to talk about it, you know, who will Dylan Tate replace when he returns to the bullpen? And my last answer was Mike Bauman. But there's two things here. Number one, I don't know if it's a guarantee he's going to return anytime soon because I'm still worried about this injury. And number two is, 
He's got minor league options. This is something I haven't talked about yet when talking about Dylan Tate. He's got two options left, which means the Orioles could technically activate him from the injured list, but just put him in AAA Norfolk for the time being and give him more time to figure it out. And to be honest, that's what I think they're going to do because the Orioles, the deadline is pretty much here for Dylan Tate and to make the decision on him. It has now been... 30 days of a rehab assignment, that is the maximum amount of time you can have a player on a rehab assignment. So by the time you're listening to this, the Orioles are going to have had to have made their mind up. They either activate him to the big league roster and make a roster move, or they just option him to AAA Norfolk and he comes off the injured list, but he just pitches for the tides until he can figure it out. Because the velo is down, he's more like 92-93. We saw him 95-96 last year. He just doesn't look right. The command's not there. He's getting hit all over the place. I'm worried. I don't think he's healed. I'm worried it's something bigger. I'm hoping I'm wrong. But we will continue to monitor it. I just think since they have to make this decision now and the bullpen's been pretty good and they've got a a nice chunk of guys in there, I just kind of think it's going to be let's send him to Norfolk and let's continue to see how things go. And speaking of Norfolk, you know, and injuries, it's just been a disaster for the Norfolk Tides. I mean, there's been a lot of injuries across baseball and in the Orioles system, but especially in Norfolk, feels like everybody's going down. Like the entire Norfolk outfield, I talked about this briefly on yesterday's episode, is currently on the injured list. Kyle Stowers, Hudson Haskin, and Colton Kowser are all on the IL right now. Now, none of them have super serious injuries, and Haskin's actually playing in some lower minor leagues rehab games right now, so he's going to be back in Norfolk soon. Kowser was a day-to-day lower body injury, and then they eventually put him on the IL. Stowers just went on the IL with right shoulder inflammation, so we'll see about that. But other guys, like, you know, even just depth pieces, like in the infield, like Greg Cullen and Gilbert Lara, they're on the injured list as well. So the Orioles have just needed bodies in AAA. They signed Ben Deluzio the other day, uh, an outfielder to a minor league deal, just to have another outfielder in AAA because they ran out of them. They've been signing guys, a couple of different guys left and right, and they brought in another guy on Wednesday because they had to. Signing 26-year-old infielder Joseph Rosa to a minor league deal on Wednesday. Not only did they sign him to the deal, he was in Norfolk's lineup on Wednesday in their 9-7 to win over the Memphis Redbirds on Wednesday afternoon. Rosa, who they just signed probably on Tuesday, was in the lineup on Wednesday. And he went two for four with a double and an RBI. Like, Norfolk just can't stop winning. This is an amazing AAA team, even with all the injuries and some of their talent already up in the big leagues with the Orioles. Now, Joseph Rosa just wanted to give the little scouting report here because, yes, the Orioles are just trying to sign guys for depth and to get some players in, but they're still evaluating these guys and they're still signing guys who they think could give them something maybe down the line. They're not just plucking a random guy who's available off the street. So for Joseph Rosa, he last played an affiliated ball in 2021. It was actually mostly in high A with the Seattle Mariners. Hit 254 with eight home runs in 85 games that season. But since then, he went to indie ball in 2022. Absolutely tore it up in the Atlantic League, which is the top level of independent baseball in the U.S. 124 games, 308 average, 958 OPS with 21 homers. Then he signed in the Mexican League this year. That's where the Orioles signed him out of. But in the Mexican League, in 92 plate appearances, was hitting 264 
with an OPS just shy of 800. So solid production. Again, he's 26 years old. He's been around the block. He's going to provide you depth. He's not going to be in the big leagues with the O's this year, but it's just crazy how many injuries they've had and how many guys they just had to keep signing to help in AAA. Now, at some point, a guy like a Heston Kerstad or a guy like a Cesar Prieto is going to go up to AAA to have more of a prospect fill in there. But if the Orioles think they haven't hit that timeline for the promotion yet, they're not going to force it because of an injury. They'll just backfill with minor league deals until they're ready to call up those guys like Prieto and Kerstad to AAA. But luckily, health-wise, it's been, knock on wood, much better at the big league level for the Orioles. And they will go for a series win over the Yankees today with Kyle Gibson taking the hill for the Orioles in this one. He'll be opposed by Clark Schmidt, the young right-hander who really has not had a good season this year. 7.05 start in this one. Schmidt has a 6.00 ERA on the year. 27-year-old righty. Does have 54 Ks in 45 innings, but in 10 appearances this year, it hasn't been great. He was okay his last time out against Cincinnati. Five innings, two runs on five hits with six Ks and two walks for Schmidt. He has faced the Orioles once already back on April 7th, and the O's certainly got to him in that one. Three and a third innings, four runs on five hits, three Ks and three walks. O's hoping to hit around Clark Schmidt once again today and hopefully win the series. And then I'll be back with you tomorrow for one final episode here on the pod this week, recapping game three between the Orioles and the Yankees. Maybe a little bullpen power rankings for who I trust in the pen. And then we'll get you set with a preview of the Orioles weekend series coming up against the Texas Rangers. But... Until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.